Welcome to the Gospel Ministry of Exchange Church. Thank you for connecting with us for our Bible talk today, and please feel free to share these talks with others as well. It's our desire to connect people to Jesus and grow people in Jesus. To find out more about us, please visit our website, www.exchangechurch.org.au. Uh, today's a little bit different. We're going to do more of a topical um, message today and thinking more upon uh, Father's Day as well. So as we think about Father's Day, I want you to just picture this in your mind uh, as, um, as we think about fathers. You've just arrived home from a very long day at work and there's a tense discussion or even slash argument that is happening between your son and his mother. And it seems like the same discussion we had last week. Just repeating itself again. Uh, your son's emotions are running high and this will be a moment where you need a lot of patience as we heard about that before. A lot of patience, wisdom and self-control. You're the father. You don't need this at the moment and you don't want this at that precise moment. Everything within you wants to get back in the car and drive away and just avoid that situation and hope that somehow it'll just work itself out without you having to be involved. But you're the father. You know, you've got to step up here and step up to the plate and be responsible in the situation to help navigate through this and do that. Maybe as a father today, you can say, yep, that's happened this week. Maybe it's even happened yesterday. Who would know? As we think about that today, we're going to think about a good, good father and how we can equip us and enable us. Let's stop and pray now as we just begin to think about that for today. Father, we thank you that we can come and open up uh, now your word and open up this discussion here and talk about what it is to be a father. We ask Holy Spirit, please, as we think about this and think about the realities that we face, both the, the hard elements of fathering and the joyful elements of fathering, the distractions we face with fathering, help us to see a good and perfect heavenly father who will equip us and enable us to be the fathers you've called us to be. We ask and pray now for your help as we just think about that now, Holy Spirit. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, as we think about Father's Day today, I want us to approach this by seeing how this role and how this task is carry out, carried out in real life. Just you know, It's what actually happens in the day-to-day uh, being a father and the situations you go through. Also, we want to look at God uh, as our good and perfect father and how Jesus uh, enables us to be the father he's called us to be. Uh, and here's our premise. Here's what we're going to think about. Now, Jerry's going to put that up for us there. Uh, being a father is both hard and joyful in a world full of distractions. Okay, being a father is both hard and joyful in a world full of distractions. And we're going to just begin to explore that now. Firstly, carrying out the role of a father has a range of difficulties which makes it real hard. can make it real hard that are associated with it in carrying out this role. Here's the first thing. When you become a father, your responsibilities dramatically change. Uh, pre-marriage, you're sort of a free spirit of being. You can just go where you like, when you like and how you like. But when you get married, your responsibilities change a little bit. But then when you have children, your responsibilities change another step again. You've actually got lot, lots more people to think about before you just go and carry out the agenda of your life. And that actual process of responsibility becomes a harder thing to deal with because as a father. You've got more people to think about now. It's just not yourself. There's others who are involved here. That can make fathering hard. When you become a father, 
there's more mouths to feed around the table. I've actually got to provide more. Now, it's a natural course of what takes place when you grow a family, but it's so, so true. That means I've got to get out there and I've got to find a job. Well, hopefully you've already got a job prior to that, but actually a job that's going to be able to have enough income to feed and provide for my family. I've got to be able to work hard. I can't spend as much as what I used to on my hobbies or my leisure times or things like that. I've actually got to think about my family now because I've got to think about school fees, I've got to think about clothing, I've got to think about perhaps connection with sporting teams that might be part of. Uh, I've got to think about a whole range of things here which are going to cost other things. That can be hard as a father as well as you actually begin to try and think about those responsibilities and caring for and working hard to provide for my family. Dealing with the changing nature of your children is a hard thing as well. Very challenging thing. Uh, When they're very small, you can just simply tell them what to do and when to do it. And generally, they do it. Generally. Not always. That's about all they can comprehend up to about three or four years of age. I mean, you just say do it and they do it. Perhaps with a bit of other gentle persuasion as well that might help. But that changes. You can't do that anymore as they get older. You now need to take time to explain things to them in more detail. Now, you can't just tell them what to do because they actually have a lot more questions. Maybe like Caleb said, those seven million questions in a minute. You've got to have conversations now with them that are longer to explain things about life. You can't just raise your voice like the big bad wolf and sort of scare them into submission as they get older. You've actually got to take the time to engage with them about the issues of life. In some ways, you've nearly got to become a family counsellor at times as a father because you can't just sit there and just take it on board. You've actually got to sit there and listen carefully to what they're saying and engage with them in conversation. That can be challenging and hard for in fathering because it's not just this quick fix and move on. Also, as we're fathers, we live in this Western culture of what they call expressive individualism may not have heard that term before, but that's what they're calling the culture we're in now, where the individual expresses who they want to be, and that's then seen as the ultimate fulfilment in life, as I just become the expressive individual, not community, but individual. Now, that's a hard context to father through as well in this expressive individualism culture we're going to be, particularly with the the hot topic of the last couple of years is the, the, the whole gender debate, The individual decides who they want to be in life and it's not determined by their biology or by their body type. The individual expresses who they feel they want to be and it's determined, that's how I determine who I'm going to be in my life. It's my expressive individual choice. And the culture around about us tells us that's right and you have no right to tell them any different. That's what the culture would tell us around about that. We must let the individual express themselves just as they desire to. And it's like if we were to um, let the expressions and the desires of them as the individual come through, that must trump every other thing in life, that they express who they want to be. And if we're not catering for those desires and their dreams to express themselves as the way they choose to, well, the culture would say you're squashing their personality. You're not allowing them to be, to, to be the expressive individual they want to be. That's a challenge as a father to lead through that because the culture is continually pushing back in that particular way. So leading as a father there in a God-focused and a gospel-centered way 
in a godless world is very hard. It can feel like a constant battle sometimes where you're pushing against these powerful forces, particularly in the cultural context, that are opposed to thinking godly. It can feel like you're dragging this dead weight up a wet, muddy, slippery hill. It's just difficult. It's just sometimes millimetre by millimetre, but it's challenging to be a father working in that context. A lot of hard things to do as fathers. Alongside that, the hardships, there's also distractions in life in being a father as well. Distractions that uh, uh, make it challenging for us to carry out our role as a father. Here's some of them. Uh, we, we live in a pleasure and leisure-driven culture that is living for the moment. It's just living for the moment, the next best feeling, the next bit of, best bit of joy I can actually extract out of this life. Uh, we have an excess of entertainment in this world and it keeps beckoning us down this path of fun and good times. It just keeps leisure and pleasure, it just keeps pulling us down the path of fun and good times. Nearly to the point, and this is where the distraction kicks in, that sometimes fathers want to live like a single guy again so they can max out on all this leisure and pleasure and fun. It can become a distraction in our lives. We're drawn into all this leisure and pleasure. So much so that the distraction can actually nearly begin us to see us become derelict of our duties. Not actually fulfil these things because we've allowed this distraction to grow and actually take us away from being a father. Here's another distraction. Work. Work can become a distraction for us as well. Now, now work is a necessary thing and it's a good thing. As I said before, you need to provide something for the feet or the mouths around your family. But you can easily turn a good thing like work into a God thing. And what I mean by that is this. I now live for work. Work is where I get my enjoyment and satisfaction in life. Work actually is where I find my purpose in life. I get all of my fulfilment in life just by coming to work. And actually, I love work more than anything else. Not many will think that way, but some will. Some will get in in that pathway. With that distraction, where we allow work to take such a significant part of our life, it can become a place where we avoid doing the hard stuff of being a father. We'll actually use work... To avoid those long and tedious conversations that we need to have with our growing children slash teenagers. We can actually go and hide away in work and avoid those things. It becomes a really challenging distraction for some people. Here's another one, another distraction. An unhealthy attention and attraction towards other ladies is a major distraction for fathers. Certainly can be. When fathering gets hard, it's astounding how easily we can begin to look at other women, other ladies, and think, if only I was married to her, then life would be more enjoyable. When the hard work of fathering is right in the heat of the moment, when it's really challenging at its worst, we can easily get distracted by that woman or that lady over there. If only, if only... If only she was my wife and the mother of my children, it would be a whole lot better. It's a challenging distraction for fathering. So there's a number of distractions here, as well as making it hard. These distractions complicate the life of being a father and carrying out the role and the duty that God's given to us to fulfil our calling in life. Now, 
thinking about the hardship and thinking about the distractions, we need to also see the God-given role of being a father is a joy-laden path as well. It's a joy-laden path. Yes, hard and distractful, but it's got lots of joy. Just to simply see the growth and the development of our children brings us much joy as a father, as Caleb was sharing that before, just seeing even from zero to five. That brings you um, joy. You, you see them with their innocent mannerisms and the way they do life, and they just seem to be so happy and carefree. But then you see them mature into another person who begins to appreciate what life's all about. I know for myself that's brought me great joy as I've thought about that with my own children over the time. Here's another one that brings joy. Seeing their character mature when they begin to think of others ahead of themselves. Now, that can take a long time when you're a child because they always want to think about themselves, and even we all can struggle with that. But when you actually begin to see that character to develop and mature and they think about others ahead of themselves, it's joyful and it's delightful when you see that. Watching your sons or your daughters caring for others is a beautiful and wonderful thing. Here's something else that's joyful about being a father that God has given to us. And it's this, it's memories of their achievements or their milestones in life uh, as a son or a daughter in your family. It's a great source of joy that God gives to each and every one of us. They may make a sporting team. They might finish school. They might land their first job. They might buy their first car. And within three months of that, they want to buy another car. (laughs) Then the joy goes out of it. (laughs) But you can actually celebrate those things. They're wonderful moments that God's given to us where we can actually enjoy our family with. There's great joy to be derived from doing that as we um, work with our family and see them do those things. They're wonderful moments that God's given to us. Here's something else you can enjoy about being a father. It's enjoying the way God has wired you as a family, as individuals within that community, within that family. Now, something you have to develop here with that, in this enjoying the way God's wired us, is we have to learn to laugh at ourselves. We have to learn to laugh at our own craziness and our own silly little ways. That's not always necessarily easy. But I've got a thing for breakfast. Okay? It's probably my favourite meal for the day. So what I And I have these funny little habits here with breakfast with certain foods. So come about the middle of May, when it's gone from warm to cold, I switch from a cold breakfast to a hot breakfast. So I have porridge like seven days a week for the next few months until I get to about late September, October, and it gets warm again, then I switch back over to a cold breakfast. And I stay there for months. It's like I'm locked in a rut. Well, who do you think tells me that I'm locked in a rut? My family. My family, they tell me, it's just these little crazy things we do as family. They say, Dad, you're OCD. Dad, just live a little. This this is what they tell me. And if we go on holidays, and this is what I do to sort of just stir the pot a little bit, when we go on holidays and we walk into the supermarket to buy a few supplies, so right, guys, I'm heading to the breakfast aisle. And they all just burst out laughing because they know exactly what I'm talking about. So it's actually just learning to laugh at ourselves and enjoy those moments the way God has wired us and you'll see great pleasing moments that God will actually bring into your life through that. It's enjoyable to see your family growing in the gospel. For me, that's probably my highest joy is to see that take place, to see uh, your daughters and my son growing in Christ when I see them developing in the ways of Jesus and pushing back against the culture of this world. 
brings me massive joy and delight when I see that. Uh, Elliot was sharing with me the other week. He was in uh, one of the, the university lectures and they were talking about this, um, which is totally unrelated to teaching, but white male privilege, part of this sort of cultural indoctrination we're doing now. And he actually sort of told me the way the class was working and the way he just said, it's, it's crazy, Dad. What were they thinking like that for? Why were they even talking that way? So I could just see the gospel beginning to work in Elliot's mind, um, just engaging with the class. And when, when I hear that and have that conversation, it's joyful. It's great. And I long to see that take place in all of our sons and daughters, the gospel growing in them. That brings great joy and delight when that takes place. So being a father has this power of joyful moments as well. It's a mixture of hard and distraction, but also joy, the way God works in us. Okay, let's, let's draw a line there for a moment as we th- think about that. And let's begin to flip this over a bit now. Thinking about this, not everybody's experience with a father has been positive. Perhaps some of us are sitting here and all you've ever had is a harsh, unloving or abusive father. And the only experiences or thoughts or feelings that come to your mind are memories of hurt or memories of rejection. We understand that. We're not in that same space with you, but we can only imagine how painful that would be if that's the memories you have of a father. But I want us to put a focus now towards God our Father to help us think through this, the hard, the distractful, the joy, and even the mixed experiences here we've had as a father. What the Bible does, it paints us a beautiful picture of God as our Heavenly Father. We want to highlight now some of these wonderful aspects of God as our Father. God our Father is filled with love and compassion towards us. Look at how he does this for us in the the book of Hosea. We'll bring it up there for you. Hosea chapter 11, 1 to 4. Some of you are probably wondering, when's he going to open up the Bible? Here it is. It says this in Hosea. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. The more they were called, the more they went away. They kept sacrificing to the Baals and burning offering to idols. Yet it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. I took them up by their arms. But they did not know that I healed them. I led them with cords of kindness and with the bands of love. And I became to them as one who eases the yoke on their jaws. And I bent down to them and fed them. It's a beautiful passage there of God's love and compassion and care for the nation of Israel. He's chosen his special people. And we see here this picture of one of a loving father caring for his children. That's how it's sort of spoken about in this passage. What do we see? Israel, I called you my son. That endearing relationship there. I taught you how to walk. I carried you in my arms. If anybody's been a father, you know what that's like to teach your children to walk and to carry them in their arms. I led you with kindness and love, God says there, referring to the nation of Israel. But he also says there, Israel rebelled. They worshipped other gods. They burnt sacrifices to other gods. But this true father, God our heavenly father, remained faithful to loving his children despite their rebellion, despite their rejection of him. And God had every good reason to just walk away from that nation. To walk away from those people. But the true father didn't do that. He remained faithful. He remained loving. That's the same love that God gives to us. 
when our children walk in rebellion before us, when they walk in opposite directions, sometimes when they're younger, they'll just push back against that God-given authority as a father. And as they get older, sometimes it's like our son or our daughter is hell-bent on trying to upset us with the way that they are living, with their behaviour. I've witnessed some uh, situations where I've spoken to mothers and fathers and they'll watch their teenage uh, son or daughter or young adult son or daughter and they'll watch their uh, social media feed and what they're getting up to in life and it breaks their heart when they see some of the photos that come up on their social they said I can't believe my son or daughter is being involved in that God models a love toward us where we can be motivated to keep loving our family even when it hurts us to see what they're getting involved in to see what they're actually putting themselves into. God models a glorious love with us to actually keep loving them. And what is that? That is a very powerful reflection of God into their lives as they see us keep loving them through all of their brokenness that they're going through. Which doesn't mean you love everything they do that you see in their photos. Now that breaks your heart, but you still love the person through that. This is the love that God shows us. This is the love that God gives us to show others. God lovingly provides for all people. God is a father who provides for people regardless of whether they love him or not. And God demonstrates that every day. Ruth read for us before there from Matthew chapter 6 about the God whose provision is in our lives and we don't need to be anxious. This is the God who actually reigns upon the just and the unjust. He's the God who meets our every need. And fathers, in that we don't have to be anxious about life. We just need to seek God first. We need to live responsibly and trust that our Heavenly Father will meet our needs. And we prioritise in meeting our family's needs ahead of my individual wants. And then we put our confidence in God the Father who will get us through and meet every single need. And as we do that, we have this absolute golden opportunity here to show our family what it is to trust in a sovereign God and to rest in his goodness and we don't have to be anxious. God gives us that. What to say in Matthew 6.33 says here as that passage is ending, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Fathers, what's it about? It's about showing your family what it is to seek God first. Not to be anxious about life, but to seek the God who provides all. To seek God first, not second, third or fourth. It's seeking to live in his kingdom. It's seeking to live in his righteousness. It's seeking to show that to our families. It's similar to showing your family that you treasure Christ above all things. And they see powerful lessons through that. That you're not anxious about life. Here's something else that God the Father does for us. In his perfect love, he also disciplines us and he corrects us as well. Have a look in Hebrews chapter 12, it says this. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. There's a whole sermon in that alone, but it's a very powerful passage here, what God's displaying to us. 
one of the most loving things God can do for us is to discipline us. It is. It's one of the most loving things God can do for us. He will not leave us living in our destructive ways and our sinful thinking. He loves us too much to do that. So what does he do? He disciplines us. God will lovingly and firmly call us out. He'll call us out of our willful brokenness and discipline us to a better or a holy life before him. God will, in his providence, allow circumstances to come into our life. Part of his discipline will actually be the consequences of our sinful actions. They'll be hard and they'll be painful, but it's the most loving thing God can do with us to not leave us the way we are. He's got to do that for us. He's got to do that for us. That's one of the most loving things he can do for us. So as I think about that, I've got to say this. Fathers, we must do the hard yards of disciplining our children. We must do that. We must do that in love and tenderness, but with truthfulness and with consistency. See, if we don't discipline our kids, we won't be raising sons or daughters. We'll actually, in fact, be raising little monsters. Not the cute, kind, cuddly little monsters. They end up being bullies in the schoolyard. Or they end up being jealous and vindictive if we don't discipline them. If we don't do that, we're actually not loving them if we don't discipline our children. As I think about this, here's a phrase I often, I often hear. Me and my son, we're the best mates. We are the very best of mates. Hear me carefully here. That's not your highest call in life to be best mates with your son. It's not your highest call in life to be best mates with your son. In fact, sometimes when we are trying to be best mates we'll actually avoid saying some of the hard things that need to be said because we'll think that might damage the relationship with my best mate and my son, so I don't actually want to do that. I'll I'll avoid that. Now, I trust that you and your son are good friends, but you'll always be his father. And there's a difference, a significant difference there. You'll always be his father. And the father's role is to model the gospel not only to their sons but their daughters as well and to do that every day of your life. That's your highest calling. Not to be best mates with your son, yeah, be friendly and be good friends, but your highest calling is to model the gospel to your sons and your daughters. That's what Jesus is equipping us for, to show them Christ with every opportunity that we have. Why is that? Because they're not going to see it in this world. They're going to see anything else but that. And as uh, Caleb said there before, what a golden opportunity we have to spend with our family to actually model and show them Christ. Think about this. The only thing you can take to heaven with you, the only thing you can take to heaven with you is your family. You cannot take anything else from this world with you into heaven. Can't take your favourite fishing rod or four-wheel drive car or your favourite dress or whatever it might be. You can't take any of that. But you can take your children and your family with you. You have a significant opportunity to influence what happens in their lives through that. I reckon that's a powerful thing to think about. 
That's the only thing that I can take with me. It's like an influence from the gospel that they, could, that they would come to heaven uh, with us. Now you may be sitting here today and you're agreeing with me on many fronts. Yep, fathering is both hard and it's joyful. Yep, and there's a world full of distractions here pulling me left and right away from this. And I love all the good and the joyful moments of fathering. And who doesn't love them? But if the truth be known, I just want to avoid all that hard stuff. It's all too hard. And you might be saying as you think about that, I feel inadequate for this task. I feel weak. Actually, I feel like I've failed on so many fronts already. I feel guilty about this. I feel like I've just let my wife down. I've let my family down. I, feel, I just feel I can't do this. Well, God makes a way possible for us to be forgiven and redeemed from the past, whatever failures may have taken place. And God makes a way for us to be equipped and empowered to move into the future to be the fathers he's called us to be. This is the glorious aspect of God's grace. How does that way forward look? It looks like this. It's about a father and his only son. God sees all of our sinful selfishness. God sees all of our broken self-centeredness. God sees all of our failures. God sees me living about my way and not giving really a rip about anybody else, even my family sometimes. God sees all of that. And yet he chooses to reach out and to still call us to himself. He chooses to reach out and still make a way we can be reconciled and restored despite our failures in being a father. What did this father and son do? Well, they put together this daring rescue plan to rescue and save humanity, to restore them from their sins and to restore them from their broken fathering. And we see the picture of this father and son in John chapter 3. It says this, and you're all going to know this verse. For God... For God the Father so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Sometimes we just gloss over that verse too quickly and too easily. And we just miss what's happened there. God the Father, working with his only Son, sent into this world to rescue us and to save us. By trusting in Jesus' death for us and by believing in his way forward, we can be rescued from our sins. And we can be redeemed in our fathering. And it's a glorious, glorious thing to think about, this redemption that God offers us. That today can be like a new day, a fresh start, a recommitment, a rededication, fresh convictions of God's spirit working the gospel in my heart. Lord, help me today to step up to the plate and to be what you've called me to be. Fathering is a glorious responsibility and a glorious opportunity that God has given to us. Through Jesus, his son, through the truth of his word, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we are equipped to influence and to win our families to an eternal inheritance. Here's a moment that I often share with my family when we go through those really glad and joyful moments. Here's what I say. Now, how good has this moment been, family, that we've just experienced? How good has this been? Just imagine heaven. Just imagine this, we'll be able to do this together as a family forever. And actually, the moment we have now will be nothing compared to the moments that will be in eternity. Bringing that focus again through the influence that God's been able to give to me through my family. 
So what do we want to say today? We want to say this. Fathers, we want to encourage you to embrace your God-given call. Fathers, we want to stand with you, support you, pray for you and love you through this. To stand strong in the Spirit's power. To stand against all the distractions of this world. To grow your joy in the gospel and to push through both the hard stuff and the difficult stuff of this life. And to fulfill this glorious calling God's given to you to influence your families for Jesus Christ. So you too could spend an eternity with them in heaven, rejoicing around the throne of this great and good God who's given us such wonderful grace in himself. Let's pray today as we finish that off. Father, we thank you that we can gather this morning. We thank you again today uh, as we remember fathers and we remember the glorious opportunity and role and uh, responsibility you've given to us that we, Lord, can look to you as our perfect heavenly Father, the one who restores us, the one who redeems us, the one who now equips us and enables us to live out our calling as a Father. And I ask today, Lord, please would you work in the heart of every single father in this room. By your word, by your spirit, we pray, deepen those convictions within us. Give us that clear vision, that clear perspective of what we're doing here. We're living for your glory, Lord. And we have this absolute golden opportunity to influence our family in that way. Help us to see the reality of that. Stir us deep within, Lord, to do that. And may we see our families one for Christ. Father, for those who are here and not a father, we pray, please would you come alongside them and to support them, to love them, to encourage them, to pray for them. Knowing, Lord, there are fathers here today who have sons or daughters who are prodigals today, not walking in this pathway. Help us to come alongside and pray for them, Lord, to support them as they go through that journey of pain and difficulty this time, to not give up and to not lose hope. Because we know, Lord, in your your word and through your spirit, you could actually bring about that miracle in an instant to see their prodigals come home. Lord, thank you. Thank you today that you give us that grace. And we ask and we pray that now in Jesus' name. Amen. We trust you have enjoyed our Bible talk from today. If you have any questions or comments from today's talk, please feel free to contact us at info at exchangechurch.org.au. Also, we love to welcome new people at Exchange Church in person, so consider yourself invited to be with us.